Hello and welcome to another NL Full-Time Podcast. I'm Rob Worrell and joining me on a rare weekend in which the three of us that are on, our, our teams were all unbeaten. Um, in Dickie's case, that's slightly tenuous because Telford's game was called off, but uh, uh, good to see you, Dickie. Yeah, and you as well. Yeah, we were a little submerged yesterday in Suffolk, but uh, thankfully we only got the word that the game was off. We'd only been on the motorway for 10 minutes, so it was a very quick turnaround. Excellent. That's good to hear. Um, and uh, Joe, I, I'd just like to say, listeners, he's always got a smile on his face, but perhaps particularly so this weekend, uh, a rampant win for the girls. Good to see you, Joe. Yeah, great to go on again. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, good win for, for me to talk about. Good stuff. It's been another roller coaster of a week across the national leagues, on and off the pitch. Off it, Southend's takeover has been delayed at least until the 17th of September. But on the pitch, Kevin Maher's men continue to deliver uh, with some aplomb indeed on, uh, on Saturday. We'll come to that in a bit. But perhaps the biggest news story of the week in the National League was the Gateshead management team, Mike Williamson and Ian Watson, moving on uh, from the International Stadium and moving onwards and upwards to uh, MK Dons. And so no better person to, to get on to talk about that um, than uh, Mark Carruthers. Mark, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good stuff. Um, obviously, the story is relatively well covered now. You've documented some incredible highs and lows over the last few seasons uh, at the Heat. Um, but interestingly, I, where I want to start with this is my initial reaction, and one or two other people's, even in our, in, in our podcast, you know, WhatsApp group, we're like, oh, no, that's terrible news for Gateshead. How are they going to cope? Now, is perhaps that not necessarily the case? Because everybody at Gateshead, the players... The rest of the staff that are still there, particularly Rob Elliott, who uh, is going to is, is going to take the reins, they understand and they know the Gateshead way. So, so perhaps you know they can keep it going. What do you think? Well, firstly, I think it's great to hear um, someone use the, the Gateshead way or the processes as Gateshead uh, tend to term it, but. It just shows how far the club have come since, you know, I think it was well documented on here, just how close they went to going under. Um, and, and, and everything's been built up by Mike and Ian as a management team to where it is now. There is a process in place. There is an understanding of of the way they want to play, the style of play, um, the, the kind of player that is required to fit into that system. And Rob Elliott is is full of experience. You know, he's he's not fresh to the club. He, he knows the club inside out. He's been there for best part of eighteen months. Um, Louis Story has been there for the last two years. Carl Magne knows the club inside out as well over two spells. So, I think it's it's a continuity factor they've gone for. Um, and and I, I wouldn't say they'll try and replicate what Mike and Ian did, but you may see a bit of a new evolution of that um, that process of that style. Um, and they'll try and put their own little st uh, stamp on it as well. So I'm intrigued to see how it's going to play out. Um, but what I will say is there is the utmost confidence uh, among the management team, the new management team, that they can carry on the good work that was done before. Absolutely. And, 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 and you know, when they've worked so long and so hard to kind of put in place this way of playing, which, you know, and, and, and it's frightening, Um I watched my team all shot play against them and I don't know how we got a draw that day, to be honest. They were so good. Um, you know, it's it's staggering, really. I mean, what you don't want to do, it's not broken, is it? It's definitely not broken. So the number one priority at Gateshead right now, admittedly different personnel in charge, but it's to keep doing what they're doing, isn't it? Well, I, I still think regardless of what's happened, they are very much in the mix for the playoffs and and. I would be surprised if they're not in around there come the business end of the season. Um, there is an acceptance that there is um, probably a need to to stick true to the, the the values that Mike and Ian put in place. And you know, you look at the the experienced members of the squad, you Robbie Tinklers, Greg Ollies, players like that. They've grown through this uh, the, this process with with the club uh, right the way from the National League North into where they are now via stuff like the FA Cup first round, second round. An FA Trophy, so there's the experience in there of, of how things are done. 
I think the management team will probably fall back heavily on the the experienced players as well. Um, and yes, it's a blow. You know, there's no getting away from that because of what Mike and Ian meant to the club and, and what the club meant to Mike and Ian as well. And I think what has gone missing in in the last sort of five six days is there's a lot of people saying, um, "Oh, it's amazing what uh, what Mike and Ian did for Gateshead." But you need to think Gateshead gave Mike and Ian the first chance in management. And uh, they grasped it with, with two hands. Um, so, yeah, the club have been great for them just as much as they've been great for the club. And I think the other thing I wanted to comment on from 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 outside, I don't know if Dickie and Joe have got any points to make or questions for you, but um, last year, um, Gateshead were described as playing Notts County. And earlier in the season, somebody said they're like the non-league Man City. I think the real testimony to what they've done is people are now seeing when other teams play well and, Nice flow in football between the thirds in the National League. They say they're playing like Gateshead. Um, and what a compliment that is. I'm sure they'd like to have Man City's money. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I think what, what's amazing with uh, with Gateshead is, and I'm always at pains to talk about budgets and stuff like that, but I think it's fairly well known. They're not working with the, the biggest budget in, in the National League. Um, I'd be surprised if it was in the in the top 10, if I'm honest. Um I, I may be overplaying that. I'm not too, so sure, but I know that you know things are tight and and every single penny counts. And as far as I can see it, every single penny is being given value for money at the moment. Um, the recruitment over the last eighteen months has been spectacular. I think the hit rate must be well over ninety percent. Um, that comes down to good contacts, good analysis of potential signings. And I think more than anything, and, and anyone that's been in and around the Gateshead squad will tell you this, the the spirit there is unlike I've seen at any other club. Um, there are no bad eggs. There's no egos. There's nothing like that. And I think that just comes down to looking far beyond the player's ability and looking at his, uh, his attitude uh, towards training, towards togetherness in the dressing room, um, towards adverse. Uh, Adversity, which there has been over the last couple of years at the club, so you know this. Although Mike and, and Ian were the catalyst for for what developed at Gateshead, um, they were by far not the only ones uh, making calls and and playing their part in this process. How many times have I said process? By the way, I must must be catching on. <laughs> yeah, I think the final uh, very brief point from me, and then we'll come to Joe and Dicky, um, is just that. Uh, you know, it's a big loss right now for Gateshead, but there's been big losses along the way in this process, as you call it. Uh, most recently, Adam Campbell, and prior to that, Macaulay Langstaff and Kedwin Scott. So, um, you know, all those key, key personnel in this process have moved on and Gateshead have managed to keep the, the well-oiled machine going, as I call them. Joe, Dickie, um, anything for Mark while he's with us? Yeah, I think I mean you've touched on the the, the players that have moved on there, and I, I thought about this during the week, and that you know that's yet another thing that would make them as a management team appeal to other teams is that they've uh, you know they've withstood the loss of players that have gone on to uh, you know bigger clubs. There, I say, and you know Notts County, I don't think we're sort of like. Um, uh, being unkind to Gateshead by saying that Notts County are a bigger club, but they've they've shrugged off that. And if anything, they've got better. If anything, they've got better. Um, you know, a Wembley final last year, um, as well, which uh, unfortunately, you know, didn't end the way that the 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 fairy tale uh, didn't get the fairy tale ending. But you know, you look at the the, the things that they've done, and it it isn't it isn't just that thing of the style. It's you know they've made, as Mark said, they've made good players, better players. They've probably made it a place that's now more attractive to players to want to come and play. You know, before you might have looked at Gateshead and thought, what a, a, an athletic stadium, you know, on the other side of the water from Newcastle. That's an awful long way to go. You know, they weren't getting huge crowds, or they get very passionate crowds for the number that they get. But I would think, you know. They've they've made Gateshead somewhere that's a really attractive proposition now. Okay, so uh, elsewhere in the National League, uh, let's start with the game of the day. Six thousand seven hundred and twenty-two crammed into uh, Spotland. Hopefully, fans from both supporters in the right areas. Um, that's a little nod to a story that broke on uh, Friday. Um, but uh, one a, a fantastic game it was. A fantastic advert for uh, the National League. 
It was a seven-goal thriller, and in the end, it was a debut win for Mickey Mellon, the new Oldham manager. Um, Joe, coming to you on this one, um, some media outlets had uh, a Rochdale player, Kehan, um having a hat-trick in this one uh, and being on the losing side, but I think having seen the goals myself and uh, the non-league paper seemed to have got it right, the first goal clearly coming off. Cairo Mitchell, but what did you make of that one? Fantastic crowd, brilliant advert for the National League. Yeah, it was certainly that. Uh, brilliant advert, lots of goals, uh, lots of talking points. I think the disappointing thing for Jim McNulty as a former defender himself is the fact that they've scored three at home and not got something from it. Um, they'll be really disappointed with that. Um, but as for Oldham, I suppose Mickey Mellon's first game in charge and uh, who better to score the winner for them in the end than uh, James Norwood, a player that Mickey Mellon knows well from his days at Tranmere. And uh, he'll be hoping that that partnership can uh, fire the Latics to promotion uh, from the National League this season. Um, they did go in front through Nathan Sharon, uh, and they doubled the lead through Devon Green, formerly of Telford, uh, that Dickie would know well. Uh, but two goals from Rochdale, first through Cairo Mitchell that we thought was Jimmy Kierhain, uh, and then a, a Jimmy Kierhain's first of the afternoon uh, to level the contest. But uh, two goals within eight minutes for Oldham, uh, wrapped up the points, Hallam Hope and uh, the aforementioned James Norwood before Kierhain got his second. So, um, yeah, uh, an entertaining first win for Mickey Mellon and uh, he'll be hoping that that's a, a sign of things to come. With Chesterfield against Gateshead being called off and Altrincham and, uh, versus Dorking, uh, a game that was actually called off on Friday. And Luke Edwards, our producer, put in our WhatsApp group that it was a cracking morning in Manchester on uh, Saturday. I hope they didn't go too early on that one. Lovely sunny morning, perfect for drying out pitches. Um, but it gave some of the chasing pack a chance to close a little bit on Chesterfield. And, well, Barnet, they did so eventually but not after being uh, devved a couple of times. Eh? Um, in the end, Barnet found a way. And I've lost count now, um, Dickie, of how many times Barnet have done that this season. Um, you know, found themselves behind against Maidenhead, but ultimately came through it. And uh, it, was, it was a late, late winner. And whatever else you've got, whether it's a way of playing, whether it's good goal scoring, whether it's a great defence, the knack of finding a way to win games is definitely a quality that a championship side, a championship winning side would have to have, isn't it, Dick? Yes, it is. Yeah. And it probably comes down to belief as much as anything that they, um, it, it, they, they, still believe that they can get points from a game even though when they're they're behind and you know it's 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 a great sign when you see that kind of thing in a side it usually does bode well for them now Solihull Moors lost their unbeaten record last week after going 14 games without defeat um but that was made to look rather silly on Saturday as they traveled to Roots Hall and Southend undeterred by Delays to the takeover off the pitch just keep going about their business in the National League. And quite a phenomenal result, Joe, and a phenomenal performance from one player in particular. Um, we're already waxing lyrical amongst us about what the podcast title is going to be this week. Can you kick it? Is one suggestion we've had from Luke. And can you dig it? Well, can you definitely can, can't he, Joe? He certainly can. Um, and, you know, Idris Khan, who scored as well for Barnet, and he would have uh, been thinking that he would have been the best Khan of the weekend, but he wasn't. Uh, it was Daniel Khanu uh, on loan from Charlton, uh, the young forwards given his uh, first start for Southend. And uh, after Saturday's performance, I think he'll be getting a few more starts for Southend. Uh, four goals uh, yesterday to put them uh, in control and uh, sail away to a 5 0 win. Um, you know, Solihull Moors had the best defensive record in the division prior to yesterday. Um, and uh, so that was a bit of a, I wouldn't say freak result, but certainly one that we didn't see coming. But um, yeah, Southends, they had their prospective new owner, Justin Reese, in the house um, after he'd uh, gone and gone to the uh, 24-hour stream for Chris Phillips, who did some brilliant fundraising this week for Southends' uh, local charity. Uh, and yeah, it looks like uh, the uh, the good times could be back for Southend. 
Yeah, a couple of other points from that game. Kanu may have got a hat-trick, but um, I think Noor Hussein definitely got the best goal of the game. An absolute cracker, that one. Uh, lobbing over the keeper from distance. And also, just to point out, an, another fantastic crowd, 6,356 at Roots Hall. And hopefully better times ahead. We've got a couple of other teams I want to feature in a minute that feature in the playoff positions, but Mark can only be with us for a short period of time. So I wanted to come to another side from the northeast, Hartlepool, where there's kind of mixed vibes coming out of there. And I had a good chat with my BBC colleague, Rob Law, yesterday prior to the game between Aldershot and Hartlepool. Um, and funnily enough, mixed vibes coming out from sort of outside the club as as to the job that John Askey's doing and, and mixed vibes on the day as well because I was really impressed with Hartlepool for long periods in the game but ultimately it was Aldershot that found a way to win it uh, a remarkable two goals in 45 seconds um, quite stunned the EBB crowd uh, as well as Askey and his men um, Joe and I we talked about this game prior to it and I said more likely with an Askey side they'll be efficient hard to break down They'll stay in the game. They'll probably find a moment somewhere. And I think in previous years, there's no doubt in my mind that Aldershot in that kind of game, going 1-0 down after an hour, would have probably struggled to get anything out of that game. But they did on the day and they continued a, a great run of late. They find themselves just outside the playoff positions. It's the fifth consecutive Saturday that the shots have won. But I wanted to just look at Hartlepool briefly with you, Mark, if I can. Disappointing result on the day. It was definitely a game between two sides that looked as if they were in the, the top 10. Um, yeah, just uh, what did you make of uh, what's going on at Hartlepool? And also, I think, John Askey's post-match comments. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. Uh, yeah, I was just going to come on to that straight away. But I think, looking overall, I think Hartlepool are just a club absolutely wrapped in mystery and confusion because... You know, the owner has said that he wants to sell, but there's been very little progress or, or very little comment made on that now. Um, there's obviously disputes with local media. Uh, the Hartlepool Mail currently currently banned from the club, I think, um, which is unfortunate because they're obviously a, one of the, the main outlets um, in terms of local press. Um, I think there's a there's a talented squad there, certainly one that's capable of challenging playoffs, but they don't seem to be able to put a run together. Uh, it's just completely inconsistent, and I suppose when when your manager's coming out after a performance and you know using words like abysmal and horrendous, you know it hasn't been uh, a, a great day for the club. So I just fear for them. You always want them to 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 build something special on home form because you know the Vic or the, the suit directors it's called now. It's a great place to watch football. It's one of my favourite grounds to go to when I get the chance to go. And and you look at it and think. This is this is just a proper football league ground. It's a football league club and everything but name, which might sound stupid given they've been relegated twice in in the last five years or so. Um, but you know they've got an experienced manager in charge. I think he's still trying to get to grips with the squad and after they made a number of changes and trying to find his his favoured starting eleven. I do think they'll turn it round, but uh, you know whether that means making the playoffs or just solidifying in the national league for a season, then going again next year remains to be seen. Yeah, we've talked a lot in recent weeks, Joe, haven't we, about from the outside looking in that, oh, there have been key injuries to like the likes of Mancini and Dodds. But talking to Rob Law yesterday, Hartlepool had five first-teamers out yesterday. I think Aldershot themselves had six or seven. So that one doesn't really cut it anymore, does it? Um, it's, it's always been a tough job, hasn't it, Hartlepool? There's always high expectations, but there's no doubt that... Uh, any successful football club has things, everybody pulling together in the same direction on and off the pitch. And clearly that's not the case at Hartlepool right now, is it? No, and I think, you know, that's why perhaps um, there is confidence that Hartlepool can turn it around because John Askey's been at football clubs in this division where there perhaps hasn't always been that uh, cohesion on and off the field, obviously taking Macclesfield to the title. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, he is an experienced manager, um, lots of injuries, as you say, uh, but it isn't. It just feels as if there's something not quite right at Hartlepool um, as to why they can't put that run of games together, um, whether it's chopping and changing personnel, whether it's just trying to find the best system for this group. But, um, yeah, I, I do expect they'll be up there come the end of the season in and around the top seven. But as Mark alludes to, I think, 
on what I've seen so far, that will probably be just outside the playoffs. Moving on then with the rest of the National League games, just briefly, uh, Wealdstone and Borehamwood took top honours in terms of it being the TV game. In truth, it wasn't It wasn't an amazing game, but it ended one all there, as it did at Fylde, who drew one all with Ebbsfleet. In both cases, the uh, home teams coming from behind to earn those points. And that leaves us four games, all of which ended in home wins. Uh, Halifax beat uh, in-form Kidderminster by two goals to one. Millie Alley uh, with a brace in that one to maintain Halifax's uh, playoff push. They've quietly gone about their business, Joe, haven't they? And uh, they sit in a nice little place a third of the way through the season. Yeah, well, it's one thing that we've not really been able to say on this pod too often is Halifax Town and home win. Um, there's usually it fe- um, features haven't won again at home. Um, but uh, yeah, a good win for them um, against the Kidderminster side who are still adapting to life in the National League. Um, I have to give credit to Chris Millen Timbers. I know, uh, you know, even though that they won the FA Trophy last season um, and had a good end to the season, Halifax fans are still not uh, wholly on board with Chris Millington. Um, and he's got a lot of fires to put out there. Um, on given that he hasn't got one of the bigger budgets. Um, but he continues to do such a fantastic job. Um, as you mentioned, they're in the last playoff place. And um, yeah, two goals to Millie Alley. Not, uh, not his best season. Uh, he's had a really good end to last season. Uh, not been so good this season. But uh, two goals yesterday, that'd be really pleasing sign. Perhaps the best player in the National League to still, from last season, to still be in the National League um, he was one I think a lot of us thought would get a move to uh, the Football League. It hasn't happened as of yet. Uh, a club that has seen players progress to the Football League is Bromley. And they went about their business on Saturday with yet another uh, home win. And uh, um, it was by three goals to one against Oxford City, um, who did level... Uh, Olifo Omalomas, oh, I can't get that one out. <laughs> uh, early strike, but uh, Olamola scored again on the hour mark to, uh, or just after the hour mark to put uh, Bromley ahead again in that one. And Louis Dennis capped his return with a third goal for the Ravens, who moved up to fourth place and within a point of Solihull Moors. Um, and we'll keep an eye on those two teams in particular over the coming weeks because. If you go purely on the table, the title race is a two-horse race. But we don't like two-horse races this early in the season, Dickie, do we? Um, Obviously, Chesterfield and Barnet, you'd think the title winner's probably going to come from those two at the minute. But it's not too late for someone to stick six wins back-to-back together, is it? And push up closer to them. No, it isn't. Um, I suppose that the, the thing we've had in maybe the last couple of seasons where the title race has developed into a two horse race is it, it wasn't just that it was just the two of them. It was it was the quality of the two of them and perhaps even the financial backing that went with, you know, when it was Stockport against Wrexham, you were very aware that either side, you know, did have the capability to go and splash some more cash if they needed to, to strengthen their challenge. Again, the same last year with uh, Wrexham versus Notts County. Maybe not so much in Notts County's case, but we certainly knew that Wrexham always had that ability to go and spend a bit more. Chesterfield, yes, quite possibly. They've got that, um, you know, they've got some more money coming in from a a televised FA Cup tie coming soon as well. Um, But yeah, there's maybe just that slightly different angle to it. And Joe, quickly on that. Yeah, and it looks like um, uh, Barnett may be adding a player this week. Jordan Cropper seen yesterday and uh, all the Barnett fans seem to think he'll be signing after training with them for the last couple of weeks. Chris Maguire at Eastleigh is uh, compiling his own goal of the season competition. He curled in another beauty on Saturday, uh, along with another double for Paul McCallum, who took full advantage of... uh, Cabamba and Cardwell not scoring at the weekend in the top in the race for top scorer in the National League has easily beat York by three goals to one. Callum Howe responding, but it was too little, too late. And it did look until very late on as if Dagenham Redbridge and Woking were going to share a point apiece at one all in that game. But a certain Mr. Effion, who's been out for a little while since that unfortunate uh, collapsing at the end of a game. Uh, it's been back involved with Dagenham for the last couple of weeks. And Joe, a very poetic ending for Big Innie because he got the winner. 
beyond the 90-minute mark. And, of course, yet again, it was a striker scoring against one of his previous clubs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, really good way to end the game for, for him and for Dagenham. Uh, goal on his return. Um, Woking continued to struggle. Um, not sure what's going on there. Um, they ended the game with 10 men as well, with Tunji Akinola sent off uh, just after the hour mark. And um, yeah, a, a much needed win for Dagenham after their defeat in the FA Cup. Good stuff. That wraps up the National League. We're going to look now at the National League South. We talked pre-season about just how many teams there were going to be from the southwest. Of course, if Tom Lang was here, he'd be arguing where the lines should be drawn and who's southwest and who isn't. But according to my geography, the positions number one, two, three and four are all occupied by teams from the southwest just now. Discuss. <laughs> yeah, um, I suppose the best place to, to start really is... Um, Torquay, um, nice, nice to actually feature them first for once. Um, a 5 1 win for them uh, against a young uh, and inexperienced Welling side, it has to be said. Um, I was confident actually for once going into the day that Torquay would win against Welling, um, given Welling's lack of experience. And um, it, it looked as if it may pay dividends. Um, Welling actually took the lead in the game, a lovely strike from distance from Adom. Uh, in via the, the bottom left-hand corner. But from there, from Jarvis uh, levelling up uh, just after the half-hour mark for the penalty spot, um, it was pretty much plain sailing. Uh, Jarvis added a second, a lovely strike from uh, Brett McGavin. It has to be said, he's um, he's flourishing in his new role. A uh, brilliant strike from the uh, edge of the box uh, into the top corner. Um and uh, a goal, uh, two goals from defenders actually. Uh, Sean Donnellan, uh, a lovely, um, very untrade or uncharacteristic, uh, lovely shimmy forward and into the box and volley over the the goalkeeper. Um, and uh, a goal from Ross Marshall to round off proceedings. Um, Welling did have to finish the uh, the game with ten men. Uh, goalkeeper Holden was sent off uh, with quarter of an hour to play, uh, and striker Tristan Abrahams went in goal uh, for Welling. And um, yeah, a, a five-one win for Torquay after two defeats in a row at home against Maidstone uh, without scoring a goal. It was nice to uh, to get back to winning ways inside a. A packed out play more. It was a community day yesterday and the away end was all turned into Torquay fans. And uh, yeah, a good win. Yeah, I mean, uh, you had your concerns this season about how some of the players that didn't do very well at the level above would be able to cope in the National League South. It's obviously been mixed. We know that for sure. But one player in the Torquay squad that we knew was more than good enough for the National League South, if not the National League itself, uh, is Aaron Jarvis and uh, another double for him. Um, just how important is it for Torquay to have a player of his presence and quality up top? Oh, well, immensely important, um, given, you know, he showed in the National League that he was a more than capable striker. Um, and it seems to have coincided with Brad Ash. Obviously, we talked about him a lot last year. Um, every week he seemed to be on the score sheet. He's gone quite quiet at the moment and he's struggling. Uh, actually, he missed an open goal yesterday, which uh, won't help matters. Um, but yeah, when you've got players like Jarvis uh, in your team, you'll always have a chance. Now, you mentioned Welling losing their goalkeeper yesterday. While we're in that top four, we may as well take a look at the uh, Bath City game. They weren't able to pick up any points in the end. They came mighty close to it, though, didn't they? But they had their goalkeeping troubles as well. Yeah, well, there was a changing of the guard for Bath City and it was actually Lewis guard that meant, uh, got Tombridge Angels all three points uh, from the spot. Uh, Tombridge Angels actually took the lead in the game after eight minutes. Uh, Fielding, Jamie Fielding, the centre-half, got uh, them in the front uh, before two goals, one from uh, Cody Cook and then uh, two minutes later from who else but Scott Wilson uh, to put them in front. Um a really bad injury to Ollie Wright, uh, the goalkeeper for Bath City on loan from Southampton. He had a really bad injury uh, taken off uh, just at the end of the first half, I believe. Um, and they had to put defender Joe Reigns in goal. Um, anyone that would have followed lower league football uh, will know that Joe Reigns pretty much plays every other position other than goalkeeper 
So he managed to complete the full house and play in goal yesterday. Um, but Tom Bajane just took full advantage um, and it was actually two penalties uh, for them. Lewis guard with both of those, the, the second of which was uh, with a minute left of normal time to uh, get the uh, get the win for them. I did see uh, a picture going around on Twitter that uh, Tom Bajane's had a goal chalked out where a Bath City defender appeared to... Uh, punched the ball out from uh, having gone about a yard or so over the line. So Tombridge will feel that uh, it was a, a win that uh, they certainly deserved. Uh, but yeah, a good win for them, given that they've struggled. Yeah, and that uh, is an important win for Tunbridge Angels because it pulls them three points clear of the drop zone. And another team that's three points clear at the top of the league are the Glovers themselves, Yeovil. They got the job done uh, at one of the more difficult places to pick up three points, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and another win for them. They have, they've had loads of dubs uh, this season. It was two dubs that got them on the uh, score sheet. Worthington and Williams, the second of which was a 97th minute uh, winner for them. Uh, they did take the lead through Matty Worthington. As Mark Cooper said in his interview after the game, Matt Worthington needs to score more goals. Uh, and he certainly did that yesterday, got them in front. Um, Worthing were awarded a what looked like rather soft penalty with a couple of minutes to go. But Ollie Pierce, uh, he's not going to miss from the spot. He levelled it up and it looked as if that was going to be it. Uh, but Yeovil managed to uh, to win it at the end. Uh, Jordan Maguire drew, brought on. He's not really had much game time this year, but he was brought on. Lovely ball in and Morgan Williams only had to uh, stoop low and head past uh, Rocco Reese in the Worthing goal. And, uh, yeah, a win for Yeovil. And as Mark Cooper said, it's a win on 3G, which is a nice surprise because they've struggled so far on the 3G surfaces. Good stuff. The other one of those four Southwest teams in the top four also uh, lost on Saturday. They were beaten 1-0 at home by Hampton and Richmond who uh, got a third consecutive win thanks to Mason Bloomfield's uh, very early strike there. So uh, Hampton and Richmond uh, have moved quietly to within two points of the playoffs and it's an incredibly condensed chasing pack in the National League South. Uh, fifth in the league and the first side to appear in the division that aren't in the Southwest are Maidstone. Uh, they were held one all by Farnborough on uh, Saturday, although... If you look at when the goals were scored, it was uh, more a case of the other way around, wasn't it? Yeah, um, it was actually Farnborough that took the lead. Um, a quiet first half, nothing really to report. Went in goalless and uh, Taylor Maloney, uh, Maloney, sorry, formerly of Welling, he put them in front from the spot um, as Farnborough had two of their new signings involved, Eden Pruty uh, and Aaron Cole joining from Hartlepool and Dorking, respectively. But it was that man again, wasn't it? Levi Manchi. Um, he's been uh, on fire this season, scored two uh, for Maidstone in their win against Torquay in the FA Cup. And he did it again uh, to seal a point for Maidstone. Avely are in sixth. They had to be content with a point on Saturday when Truro City scored an equaliser in the 96th minute to break Avely Hearts just uh, seven days after Avely had scored a crucial late equaliser against Barnet in the FA Cup. It's funny how these things flip, don't they, uh, in football. And uh, just outside the playoffs, Chelmsford City picked up what was probably a useful point in a nil-nil draw uh, at Slough, who uh, at least uh, kept another game unbeaten after their uh, um, epic adventures against Ebbsfleet in the FA Cup. Um, we should mention that briefly because we haven't done a podcast since, but uh, Slough got it done in the midweek. 2-0 win against Ebbsfleet, Joe. Um, quite a fillip for Scotty Davis. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, they've struggled uh, this season, uh, but that will be a, hopefully, a, you know, sometimes in a season you need that one result that's going to lift your season up and running. Uh, and hopefully that will be it for Scotty. Um, and he actually said yesterday on social media, he said, they're disappointed not to win the game against Chelmsford, but he said if you'd have offered him a point against a good Chelmsford side at the start of the season, then uh, they would have taken it. Funny enough, Chelmsford actually went out of the competition uh, on Tuesday night, I believe. They lost to Whitby in their replay, uh, Whitby Town. So, uh, yeah, uh, differing fortunes for both of those, but uh, a good point for both, probably. Yeah, absolutely. Just wrapping up those FA Cup midweek results. 
Woking came through 2-0 against National League Southside Hemel Hempstead. Uh, Oxford City bowed out uh, thanks to another late winner. Um, a lot of late goals in that one, but uh, Scarborough won that one by three goals to two. Tyler Cordner scored his first goal for York City. Uh, that was another one beyond the 90-minute mark as uh, they negotiated the banana skin that was Needham Market away. And Braintree went out 3-1 to Chesham, whilst Barnet, of course, thanks to a Nicky Kabamba hat-trick, did see off Avely in that replay. Just the one draw left in the game to look at, Joe. That was between Dover and Hemel, and it ended with a Desmond, as I call them, a 2-2. Yeah, well, well, Hemel will be pleased that they managed to, to bounce back from their defeat in the Cup uh, in midweek, um, albeit late on uh, a penalty from Matthews uh, in the 95th minute to secure a point on the road. Um, Dover seem to have... Um, they're finding their feet slowly. I did have my fears about them this season, but they seem to have uh, just found a, a little bit of a rhythm. Um, they, they nearly had uh, all three points. Uh, Zidane Sutherland... Uh, put them ahead with 10 minutes to play um, against the 10 men at Hemel Hempstead side who had Newton sent off, uh, but it wasn't to be for uh, Dover as they uh, could only get a point in that one. St Albans City sit just a point outside the playoffs and they came from behind at Chippenham to win by two goals to one. And Dartford, who uh, had a pretty poor start to the season, just sent a point further back as they poured more misery on Haven and Waterlooville. Uh, a double in that one, Joe? Yeah, well, it was uh, a funny afternoon for uh, for Dartford because uh, they made uh, a meal out of it, saying afterwards that it was a performance fit for a king as they got the best, uh, better of their uh, former manager. And it was um, defender Joash Nembard, who formerly of Haven and Waterlooville, who got both the goals for Dartford. Uh, so a bit of a nightmare afternoon for them, who uh, haven't themselves had uh, new signing Sion Spence in the uh, squad. He signed from Kings Lynn this week. And um, yeah, so not the best afternoon for them, but uh, a much needed win for uh, Alan Dowson. Yeah, and two other games in the National League South. Braintree bounced back from their midweek FA Cup defeat to see off Western Supermare by two goals to nil. That leaves Western Supermare just two points and one place outside of the drop zone. And uh, elsewhere, uh, another couple of sides that have struggled and are in the sort of lower half of mid-table uh, at the moment. Weymouth, they came out 3-1 winners against Eastbourne. Joe, anything else on the National League South? Uh, no, other than to say um, I'll be at uh, one of the games in midweek. Uh, Yeovil against Weymouth, their big local derby. On Tuesday night, uh, should be an absolute cracker. Uh, expecting a big crowd and, uh, yeah, hopefully that will be a, a good game. It'll be nil-nil now, but, uh, yeah, hopefully it'll be a really enjoyable game. OK, we're going to have a look now at the National League North. How does it feel when you stop smoking? Brilliant. I've finally quit. It feels good. I was so proud of myself. I can keep up with my kids now. I feel a lot richer. I just feel fitter and healthier. I feel like I've got my life back. It's an amazing feeling when you stop smoking and you can experience it for yourself. Our range of free support can help you quit for good. From our app to emails, face-to-face -face support and online communities. Search Smoke Free. Better health. Let's do this. Dickie, Tamworth sit proudly top of the National League North. I'm sure there's a story or two from their game yesterday. Uh, yes, there is. Um, you know, a 1-0 win away at Blythe Spartans doesn't seem like the most exciting of results, but when you are Tamworth, you will take that all day long. Um, I don't know if you saw on the news on Friday morning, it was actually, Keir Starmer celebrating Labour's victory in the Tamworth by-election. He was actually at Tamworth's ground, the lamb. Um, so there was clearly some talk about, you know, is the, the, the red wall being rebuilt? Well, Tamworth are building their own red, red wall. Um, and they couldn't be broken down by Blythe Bottoms yesterday. And a 93rd minute winner for Jamie Jellis. How good is that going to feel on that bus trip back to the Midlands? A 93rd minute winner. And yet Tamworth top um, carrying on their tremendous form that they showed in winning the, the Southern Premier Central last season. And, um, yeah, they're putting themselves in the contenders. What we don't know is if Keir Starmer was still there at 90 plus three. 
<laughs> Unless there's I, I, pictures out there on social media of him celebrating the goal, is there? Um, I've not that I've spotted no, but you can you can be sure if if he has been if it was ever captured him doing that, it would be used for well um, both good means and bad depending on which side you're on. Now, Mark, while we've got you with us, um, you watched the game in the National League North, I believe, on uh, Saturday. Tell us about that one. I did, yeah. Rounding off uh, an interesting week for uh, for South Shields. Um, going back seven days earlier, if, if I can, um, they, they mm. played their partner, quite frankly, bizarre game at Warrington Town. The, the two clubs, I've got to say, are just, just linked continuously over the last sort of five, six years. It's bizarre how they always come together in key moments. Um but yeah, uh, Warrington, I think, as you'll know, went, went down to Ted Man after about eight seconds or something. It was certainly in the first 15 seconds of the game. Um, South Shields were 2-0 up by 20 minutes and somehow uh, contrived to only take a point. So there was a bit of, uh, I think I called it frustrated criticism flying around towards Julio and his players. Uh, then on Tuesday, there was, um, the, the well, some would say, the, the shock news that Jeff Thompson was, was putting the club up for sale. Um, and all the aftermath of that came in the following days. And then it was quite nice at the first Cloud Arena on Saturday, just focusing on on football, on on field matters. And uh, what was a big game against Kings Lane, I think it would be safe to say Kings Lane haven't had the season uh, they would have hoped to have had so far. Um, but South Shields were, were very good for about 75% of that game. Um, although, I will be honest, could have found themselves two goals down in the first 15 minutes because... Um, Kingsland wasted three really good opportunities, including a penalty miss as well. So after that, that sort of gave um, gave South Shields the kickstart they needed, and and they really uh, probably a stretch to say dominated, but certainly enjoyed the better of the exchanges and were good value for the two 0 win. It seems remarkable that they are sat in second place in the National League North table in their their first season in Step Two. Um, and I don't think the news away from the pitch is going to detract from performances on it. If I'm honest. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out over the coming weeks and months. Yeah, good stuff. And flipping to the other end of the table, Mark, of course, Darlington's game at Banbury was postponed on uh, Saturday. But what are you hearing out of Darlington? Uh, they're, they're almost cut adrift now, aren't they? Uh, seven points uh, from safety. They do have a game in hand, but uh, it's not looking good, is it? Yeah, and, and and have a monumental game on Tuesday night at home against Bly Spartans as well. Um, so it's yeah, it hasn't been the greatest season for Darlington. It feels like there's just been so many changes made over the last couple of years, and a lot of them have been enforced by sort of player sales. You look at the players that have moved on, and they just need a settled season. Obviously, Alan Armstrong leaving. Um, I think there was a, probably an acceptance on both sides that that was almost inevitable. Um, so you're just really waiting for something to ignite under Josh Gowling. Um, hopefully that'll come in the near future. Um, but it just feels like every passing week you think, oh, this will be the week where things just kickstart. And it doesn't come, but you'd hope for their sake in the next couple of weeks that will arrive where they go on a little run. The squad's certainly good enough. They've got enough quality in there to really be far better than where they are in the league. But I think we all know there's no such... Uh, no such thing as too good to go down. We could name numerous examples where that has happened. Um, so it, it's another one that's interesting to watch where where things go, darling. Yeah, and uh, Joe, um, it'll be frustrating for, for many at Darlington that the game was off on Saturday, but it, it will give them a chance to work a little bit more in training with some new signings. Yeah, um, they've brought in a couple of new players uh, this week. Um, recruitment's been one thing that they haven't really got uh, spot on over the last year or so, so they'll be hoping that the couple of additions will make the difference. Um, the notable one is Kieran Burton, signed from Hartlepool, formerly of Scarborough, um, a really good defender, did well last year for the Sea Dogs and got a move to uh, Hartlepool, but uh, has found minutes tough there. Uh, they've also brought in Jim Sims um, on loan from Hull City, one that I don't know a great deal about in truth. Um, and they've also added Blaine Rowe from Barwell, uh, who makes a step up. He's another defender um, and hopefully uh, two two additions at the back, they can uh, be a little bit stronger going forward. All right. Well, look, we're going to go a man down now. But Mark, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Great to hear from you. Thanks for having me. Thoroughly enjoyed it. So that was Mark Carruthers, uh, probably best known for uh, writing for the Sunderland, Sunderland Echo and Chronicle Live. But uh, 
a bit like many of us in non-league, wears several different hats. And uh, whenever you've got a story uh, developing regarding one of the northeast clubs, Dickie, he's definitely the man to go to. Thanks for, for uh, roping him in. No, you're very welcome. Now, I knew Mark would be uh, would have some really interesting perspectives, particularly on the Gateshead story, because I know that when Gateshead were going through the mill a few years ago, just even around their existence, that Mark was very heavily involved in that um, and was seen, I think, by the supporters as somebody who they could turn to to get the truth about what was going on at the football club. So, you know, Mark's very well respected, um, but he's also a very, very smashing guy as well. So South Shields second then, Dickie. But uh, Spennymore Town, a club that have been through plenty of changes, changes in management, but they're sitting proudly in third place, aren't they? Uh, just three points off the top of the table uh, this weekend. Yes, they are. And I think one, another positive thing for Spennymore Town is that they are um, still third in the table, despite the fact they had a blank Saturday. Their game with Boston United fell victim uh, to Storm Babbitt over the weekend, as as uh, other matches did as well. Um, but the fact that they stay in third, um, despite um, not having a game, and it's a home game as well, so when it's rearranged, Boston have got to make that journey um, up the A1, so you would uh, you know, think that would favour Spenny Wall when that game actually gets played. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, well, Brackley, they scored a few goals on Saturday, didn't they? But uh, they couldn't get four points for a game, so they were never going to dethrone uh, <laughs> Spenny Moore's position. But nevertheless, it was a terrific Saturday for Brackley. Yeah, no no bonus points in football like we have in the, the Rugby World Cup or anything at the moment or, or points for sort of like uh, keeping the winning margin to a certain distance. Yeah, Brackley had a really good win at Farsley Celtic yesterday, 4-1. Um, if you've ever seen that episode of uh, I'm Alan Partridge where he's in the carpet yelling, Dan, Dan, Dan. Well, that's exactly what happened in the first half yesterday. Goals from Dan Turner, two of them, and then Danny Newton putting Brackley ahead, not just by half-time, actually by the 18th minute, they were 3-0 up. Tyler Little added a fourth in the 55th minute. There was a goal back for Connor Branson for Farsley in the 62nd minute, but it was already over by then. So uh, another really impressive win for Gavin Cowan's Brackley side. Yeah, Dickie, bang on form again. That's why we pay him the big bucks to be on this <laughs> podcast. Um, well, we don't really have any bucks, to be honest with you, but... Uh, well, we're always willing to have a sponsor or two, and then we can pay it to big bucks. Um, Scunthorpe United, all sorts going on off the pitch there. Um, they've been uh, allowed to use uh, Bamford Park for the next two home games, I believe. But they were away on Saturday. And, uh, well, Chester really uh, took the momentum and the confidence from their terrific FA Cup win at Hartlepool, Dickey, and, and applied it to a home game against Scunthorpe, didn't they? Yes, they did. And uh, Chester's form um, is getting a little bit better. I mean, there's, there's still probably too many. I'm looking at the form guide now, and there's probably still too much red on there for Callum McIntyre's liking. But it's a third win in their last four. Um, a 2 0 win over Scunthorpe yesterday. Um, and yeah, an excellent result. You know, it, it's, we were speaking about these sides as being promotion contenders at the start of the season. Scunthorpe have certainly started that way, but Chester haven't. But they do seem to be clicking into gear. Um, they made a big signing on Friday as well, and they picked up Tom Piers, uh, the former Curzon Ashton, Altrincham striker, um, after he uh, left early from his contract at Macclesfield. Um, he's gone back up the divisions. He didn't play yesterday. He was a substitute, but they had goals from Colin, sorry, not Colin Caton. Colin Caton is his father. They had goals from Charlie Caton in the first half and Elliot Whitehouse in the second half. Um, and yeah, a very impressive 2 0 win for Chester. All right, coming to you now, Joe, on the next one. Curzon Ashton recently lost the services of manager Adam Lakeland and they had a tricky-looking trip to Hereford on Saturday. How did that one go? Well, it was certainly an exciting game. Uh, lots of red uh, and lots of yellow. Um, three dif uh, three dismissals, actually, in the game. Uh, Kyle Halkins sent off for Hereford in the 69th minute and two sending offs in the final few minutes of injury time for Curzon Ashton, uh, Mason and Matthews both sent off. Um, but it was Hereford that ran out the winners. Um, they had to come from behind. Uh, Sinclair gave Curzon Ashton the lead after 20 minutes. Um, but yeah, Carl Hawkins, um, it did end badly for him on the afternoon, but he did manage to get himself a goal. 
before two goals, one from Alex Babos and a third right in the final few minutes from experienced centre forward Adam Rooney uh, for Hereford. And uh, yeah, they seem to have uh, really motored into gear now, uh, Hereford. Um, I'm pleased I backed them at the start because, um, you know, it was, was going to be an interesting one uh, under an inexperienced manager, but they look to be finding their feet, Dickie. Yeah, I think the third goal there yesterday was actually put past the substitute goalkeeper because Cam Mason being sent off. Mason was sent off for handling the ball outside his area. He was already on a yellow, so he had to go. Um, Marcus Poscher, the defender, went in goal. Apparently made a terrific save from a free kick that resulted from that. But the, then, yeah, Adam Rooney popped up to to put the ball into the uh, the vacant net that he'd left behind him. It sounds as if those cards as well yesterday were probably you know, dare I say it, niggly offences, second yellows for kicking the ball away, handling outside the area. You know, that's not a, you know, if you don't deny a goal scoring opportunity, that's obviously a bigger one. But it sounded like it was an accumulation of little niggles yesterday. I think a member of Kurz Nashton's staff was also sent off from the bench as well. So it sounded like a little bit of a fractious affair down at Edgar Street. One thing that, that caught my eye this weekend is it does look as if the cards are absolutely racking up now in numbers, aren't they? Um, you know, three goalkeepers off yesterday, one due to injury, but sounds as if Maidenhead, um, just quickly uh, point on them, it looks as if their whole uh, coaching staff was sent off against Barnet. Devonshire was sent off, uh, two of his backroom staff as well. I mean, it, we're coming up to Christmas, but the amount of cards flying around is... Uh, is really, really ridiculous. I yeah, think I, I heard... Sending off... Go on, Dickie, sorry. Yeah, it's, it's not it's not National League, certainly, but I think I heard a statistic yesterday saying there's been a 40% increase in the number of yellow cards issued in the Premier League this season. And you'd have to think it's down to this crackdown on things like the ball being kicked away, etc., which... Look, it is what it is. I'm not going to say that it's a, a good thing or a bad thing, um, but it's something that players are going to have to adjust to if it's going to continue. Um, you know, the whole aim is to try and um, realign players' behaviour to what's acceptable and what isn't. And and if they continue to take a hard line on it, players are going to have to learn. Yeah, going back to that Barnet Maidenhead game, there were seven yellows, eight if you count the second one that Sam Beckwith got for Maidenhead. I think the combination of the sort of 105, 110-minute games and the accumulation of yellow cards being waved around for almost any offence now are going to see sides really, really stripped bare of their playing squads over the next few weeks. And any any side rocking up saying, oh, yeah, we've got five or six out, I, I, I would say that's par right now. Final point on you on this one, Joe? Yeah, just final point. I realised that there was actually five red cards in the 90th minute yesterday. Um, so we talk about the uh, extra time that we're playing. It's uh, yeah, certainly uh, the extra minutes uh, not helping. Now, two sides who've been struggling a bit in the National League North, and many people thought they would. Who I'm pretty sure you've said at least once this season, Dickie, are going to need some good home form if they're going to stay out of trouble. Well, they both did so on Saturday. Rushall Olympic with the result, the eye-catching result of the day, a 5-0 win against Chorley. And Peterborough Sports with uh, a 2-0 home win as well against Southport. Correct me if I'm wrong, I think that might be back-to-back wins for Peterborough Sports. And it lifts both of those sides to three points clear of the trapdoor that they're going to be looking down nervously at for most of the season. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on. His back-to-back wins for Peter after a 2-0 win over Banbury last weekend. Um, a, a, another good result from the yesterday goal from Dan Lawler. Penalty in the first half. He also happens to manage uh, Peterborough United's ladies team, which is a, a little bit of trivia there for you. There was a goal from uh, Ben Fouts to add to that one. He came on board from Leiston over the summer um, to end a pretty dismal afternoon for Southport. They had Josh Hamami sent off in the 90th minute as well. So um, I've no doubt Southport will get back on the horse. They've been doing very well under Jim Bentley. Um, but too much needed wins for Michael Gash and, and Peterborough Sports there. Yeah, Rushall Olympic, what can I say about them? You know, we, we spoke about them not wanting to they didn't want to be there to just make up the numbers but they knew they were going to be in for a tough time in this division well you know dare Any, I say anything that, any anything daniel carney can do that uh, 
Anyone at Rochelle could match yesterday? Well, yes, it must be something possibly not in the name Carney this weekend. Maybe it's the name Daniel because it was Danny Waldron. They signed him from Alverchurch in the summer. He scored plenty of goals in Alverchurch's terrific FA Cup run last season. He scored two in the first half, then got the next two in the second half. So he scored four goals straight. There was a fifth goal from Luther Mundakandafa in the 79th minute. And Rochelle recorded a 5-0 win over Chorley. You know, this is Chorley we're talking about, a team that have historically been really hard to break down really hard to beat and they've absolutely taken them to the cleaners well I love the way you pronounced the name of the the score of the fifth goal there without even hesitating uh that was a terrific show of skill there Dickie um but for all our Carney titles I think we're just going to throw that out the window and just call this pod Dan 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 There's another team struggling down the bottom end of the National League, North Dickey, who uh, also got a precious three points and a terrific win on Saturday. Tell us about uh, Alfreton's 3-0 defeat. Yeah, this was a, a big result for for, for Gloucester City. Um, obviously, they've already had a change of manager this season with um, Tim Flowers losing his job after just a few games. Mike Cook coming in for his second spell as manager of the club. Um, and, you know, a game against Alfreton's never easy. Billy Heath's teams aren't easy to play against. Um, but Joe Hanks got Gloucester on their way yesterday. He's returned to the club after some time away. He was recruited in the summer. 25th minute goal from him. Alfreton then gave them uh, a helping hand with Nathan Newell picking up a second yellow card, dismissed just on the stroke of half time. And then there were two goals in the second half from Danny Wright. Um, I'm sure we all know uh, Danny Wright from his time at various other clubs. Joe probably tell us all about his time at Torquay United. And then there's a third goal in injury time for Brandon Smith. Morley. So yeah, a, a much needed big confidence boost and three points for Gloucester there um, and a disappointing one for Alfreton. Yeah, a couple of games left to uh, talk about. Two of the sides new to the National League North this season met at Bishop Stortford, didn't they? Uh, Bishop Stortford um, dropped to second bottom as a result of a heavy defeat at home to Warrington, who moved to within a point of the playoffs. Yeah, and Warrington are another team that are finding their feet in this division. I I didn't doubt that they would to a certain extent. I'm not sure I saw them being where they are now. And obviously, we've got a long way of the season to go. But continuity has been a big thing at, at Warrington. Um, and it was a really impressive win for them yesterday. Connor Woods got them um, off and running in the 18th minute with a goal. There was then a dismissal for Bishop Stortford. They had Alex Fraser sent off for a second yellow card in the 53rd minute. And with... Uh, a, Warrington having the man advantage. They then ran Riot. Woods added a second in the 67th. Josh Amos got another goal two minutes later. A goal for Isaac Buckley or Isaac Buckley Ricketts, possibly. I've heard him referred to as both titles in the 74th minute. And there was a consolation goal from the penalty spot from Tosin Olafemi uh, for Bishop Stortford late on in the game. But yeah, another disappointing one for Bishop Stortford, uh, but a very happy bus heading back to the northwest with Warrington Town on it. Yeah, just the one other game. Buxton started the day um, just outside the playoff positions and uh, ended there as well because they lost 1-0 thanks to uh, a Scarborough winner on 85 minutes from Green. And that wraps up the uh, action from Saturday. But we've got a full suite of midweek fixtures to just uh, run the rule over between us if we can. Joe, if you um, just uh, take a look at the games in the south that uh, catch your eye and Dickie in the north. I'll be at uh, the EBB Stadium again for Aldershot against Maidenhead on Tuesday evening. Barnet and Solihull Moors come together in the National League. That one certainly uh, stands out. Chesterfield against York. So a big test there for um, Neil Ardley's men after uh, uh, a defeat at the weekend. And uh, Dagenham and Redbridge meet Boreham Wood. Also, Woking go to Eastleigh and all the teams involved in that one. South end against Ebbsfleet as well as a little bit of a uh, a ring about it. Wildstone will take on Oxford City. Um, yeah, coming to the north where we've just been looking, um, Dickie. Uh, any standout games for you in midweek? I think Scunthorpe against Spennymore probably is the, the one with most interest in terms of 
placings in the the league table, third against fifth, um, look looks to be one there for me. Darlington Blythe, um, a northeast affair is is always one that's interesting. There's historically, um, they, they don't have an awful lot of love for one another, and I know that um, a few seasons ago when Darlington took an awful lot of Blythe's players and manager Alan Armstrong, that just sort of made things um, even worse. So that's going to be interesting because both sides really could do with some points from that one. Um, Southport Chester also looks interesting, a, a Northwest affair. Chester obviously um, in, in really good form at the moment and feeling confident, but Southport are enjoying a resurgence under Jim Bentley. So that could be an intriguing one. Yeah, and in the National League South, Joe, you've already mentioned you'll be at Yeovil against Weymouth. There's a couple of other Southwest derbies on Tuesday night as well, isn't there? Yeah, um, Bath City versus Taunton, that will be uh, a good one. Um, be interesting to see what they do without Ollie Wright, who's obviously now going to have a lengthy spell on the sidelines. And then my team, Torquay, in what we, uh, in Torquay circles, we refer to it as the Dustbin Derby, uh, or Western Supermare against Torquay from when we were back in the National League South last time, where we saved the last minute penalty and one of our supporters threw a dustbin onto the pitch which uh, stopped the game for uh, about 10 minutes. And then from the added time, Western Supermare scored an equaliser through Brad Ash, who now plays for Torquay. So, uh, yeah, an interesting uh, game there. As I believe Torquay have sold 800 tickets for that one. So that should be a, a tasty game under the lights. Yeah, brilliant stuff. We'll be back, of course, listeners, next weekend. Dickie, your own side, Telford. I know that's Southern League Premier Central, but... Uh, you didn't have a game on, on Saturday, but uh, due to have a home game in the midweek, I see. Uh, have you had much rain in your part of the world? We have. Um, I haven't actually um, sought any information on the condition of the pitch, but I'm hoping we'll be good to go. Yeah, Alva Church, our visitors. And we have a, a lovely meeting with uh, another former National League North side, two relegated teams from last season coming up against one another. Um, neither of them setting the world alight yet. We go to Leamington. It'll um, be interesting to see how that one goes. Yeah, good stuff. Well, uh, you'll be hoping, of course, that Tuesday evening's game does go ahead because I can share with you, the listeners, that prior to recording this podcast and post-recording this podcast, Dickie will be hard at work preparing the uh, match programme for uh, the Telford game on Tuesday night. Dickie, we appreciate your time as ever, as we do yours, Joe. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me on again. It's been great. Yeah, have a good footballing week uh, to you guys and to our listeners as well. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, please do subscribe to the podcast on your favourite platform and then you don't have to wait for our tweets. Uh, They'll be sent direct to your inbox. Play the theme tune, Luke.